Happiness Solved with Sandy Scarlatta. Stay tuned for my interview with Jim Phillips. Hey there, welcome to Happiness Solved with me, Sandy Scarlatta. So I was trying to think about what I wanted to talk about today, and lately there's only been one thing on my mind, and that is uh, just the crazy times that we're living in today. And it's just, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around it. It's that crazy. I mean, 2020 was a bad year for so many people. Oh my gosh, I, I, it's just mind-boggling how many lives were lost, how many people have been just seriously, seriously devastated, whether financially or they lost a loved one or many loved ones. My heart goes out to every single person who's been impacted in, in, in harsh ways. It's just so unfair. And I, I know for me, you know, 2020 was just majorly inconvenient. I mean, I had I had good days, I had bad days. Fortunately, no one in my immediate family has gotten sick. Um, my son did contract COVID and was only sick for a few days. He's in college, so we we expected that to happen. <laughs> and he came home and quarantined here with me. Well, my husband had to leave the house, took took our puppy, and and I was stuck here taking care of somebody. Uh, <laughs> Worrying that I was being put at risk. Fortunately, I I was fine, and he went back to college, and all was well in my world again. But it's it's been a struggle, you know, when when your whole life stops. And uh, but you know, I was able to finish a book. I started preparations for this podcast, and you know, all of those are really good things. So I'm one that always likes to look at the the bright side. And, you know, I always remember that things can always be worse. And, and I, I have lived through that so many times. And, and it's one of the, my creeds that gets me through it, anything, that I can always see that my life can always be worse, no matter what. But so 2021, oh, you know, we all thought that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And, and there is, there, there truly is. But then we have all this political nonsense going on, you know, and I, I, I will not discuss politics. It's, it's an area that I, I, two topics I don't discuss, politics and religion. Um, I feel like they're both very personal things and I keep it to myself. But what's been going on lately, I don't feel like it's political at all. I feel like it is a humanity problem through and through. And on that note, I want to read just a paragraph from the introduction of my book, Happiness Solved. So I'm going to pull this up. And I say, I say in this, and I wrote this, I wrote this portion um, back in August of 2019. And when I read it, it kind of gives me the creeps. <laughs> because it's like, not no, no, sorry, creeps isn't the right word. It it makes my skin crawl because I knew then, back in August of 2019, that there was a problem, that we had a big problem. So here's what I wrote. We are at a crossroads in humanity. We can either continue to hate or we can choose love. To choose love, we have to be happy from within. We have to love ourselves first to make an impact in this world. In my opinion, this is due to the universal energy that connects all of us. If we are all feeling negative, it is going to spread in ways we cannot even comprehend. Instead, we need to choose to love ourselves first and learn to love one another. Only then can we change the world in which we live. 
Now, after everything that has gone on, and my my book is in the final uh, stages of being published, I look back and I read those words. You know, yes, we all need to learn how to love ourselves. Can we learn to love one another? Most people are going to look at that and say, no way. There is no way. And I want to explain that a little bit. And and the thing is, is that while we may not have to be friends with everybody, there is a place in our heart if you truly love yourself. And I believe this, and I'm going to continue believing this until I take my very last breath, that I do think that, you know, you don't have to be friends with somebody, but there is a place in your heart where you can feel the universal love for another person. We're connected. We're all connected. We all bleed the same color blood. We are all connected. And, you know, maybe people will will think I'm crazy, but but I will believe that through and through. And so I just hope that that people will really, you know, after everything that we've been going through as a country and as a world, for that matter, that we can all just start to look within and find that whatever it is you need inside yourself to uh, value yourself and, and be kind to not to one another. There's just so much anger in the world and people are so mean to each other. I mean, I, I experience it so often. I was in the grocery store the other day and I was returning something to Amazon and it was at Whole Foods. And there was a woman in front of me and she had on her face mask. And we all know when you have that face mask on, it's hard to see the person, right? And I'm looking at her and she was like, same color hair, same body type, everything. I could have sworn it was one of my friends who used to be a neighbor of mine. And I reached over and I just lightly tapped her arm. And when she turned and I saw her full face, because her profile, it looked exactly like my friend. But when I saw her whole face, I immediately knew that it wasn't her. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I thought, I thought you were one of my good friends. And she just glared at me. And I just was like, okay. And I looked down and I thought, okay, I'm just not going to worry about this. But I guess, I guess I shouldn't have touched her. But like, it was, a, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, this whole COVID thing, all the rules are changing and, and it's, and it's hard to adapt and adjust. But I was like, my God, I'm sorry. And I just, I just, you know, she went on her way. I went on my way, but it was just this, this glare you know, so anyway, my guest today is Jim Phillips. Jim is a life strategist, author, speaker, and business coach. For over 30 years, he has been inspiring others to higher levels of achievement and understanding through his strategy sessions, coaching, writing, and presentations. One of Jim's gifts is his ability to help others understand and apply spiritual concepts to their personal life which has resulted in their creating and experiencing more of who they truly are and what they desire from life. His work has been featured on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, and hundreds of nationally syndicated television, newspaper, and magazine outlets. He's written two books, The Key to Life, Living in Full Expression, and From Inspiration to Intention. He also co-authored with 24 other authors, a book that he and I are going to discuss today. And I do want to say Jim is a good friend of mine, and it's great. We, we haven't been able to get together for lunch, but it's such a pleasure to sit down, have lunch with him, and we just have some of the best discussions. So I hope you enjoy our talk. 
Hey, Jim, how are you? I am doing well. It's great to be with you. Great to have you. I'm so glad you could take time out of your busy schedule. I know you got a lot going on. Uh, so how, you know, the past few weeks been, especially with all the craziness going on? Oh. Crazy well, times. In D.C. area, at the epicenter, the energy is always very heavy. And it, it's really a matter of, of just trying to navigate and do what I can without getting sucked into all of the negative energy and things that are being said. I have my own perspective of what's going on. So I, as much as I can, I try not to get drawn into it. But having said that, we're into a new year. With the new year, because of the way we tend to look at a new year, it's the opportunity to really begin anew and you know, really look at what we want to do with the time in this moment, but also as we continue to move forward. And so I, I just approach it that way. I don't, as much as I can through personal awareness, I just, I just pay attention to what's going on right now and I don't get sucked into that drama. That's a great way to live. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't kick me off sometimes, but I don't allow it to affect me maybe to the extent that some others might. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It, you know, it definitely affects everybody differently. And we just have so many different things going on from so, so many different angles. Yeah, so it's crazy. So tell me about a time when you went through something, you know, because this podcast is all about helping people in, through stories of... of you know, what other people are going through, you know, how, how do you get back to that, that place of peace and happiness? Because no matter how we look at it, we all experience stress. We always, you know, we can have, be having a great day and then something happens and, you know, bam, everything's out the window. So, so tell me about your experience. Yeah. Well, the way that you pose that question, and I'm going to say because of all the work that I do, because I, I do work with people to help other people overcome whatever issues they have in their lives. And I think because of that, I become more aware of what's happening in my own. And when you have that awareness, when something happens, I'm going to say it's kind of automatic. You, you switch into that mode of, of, of what you know you need to do to move beyond it. It's, again, not allowing yourself to get sucked into whatever the situation might be. But one of the things that I've done, especially if it's something that's more uh, challenging that might come up or there's something that could cause me a greater deal of stress, I project beyond it. And by that, I mean, I start thinking about what it's going to be like once that is no longer a situation in front of me. And for whatever reason, when I do that, I've done it for a really long time. Whenever I do that, the situation tends to come quicker. And then all of a sudden, I find myself on the other side of it. And it doesn't mean I don't have to deal with it, but I don't focus on that challenge. I don't focus on what it's going to mean. I focus on what it will be like when I'm beyond it. And somehow, some way, by putting my focus beyond it, it gives me, I guess, the tools, the, the understanding, the awareness, the capability to just move through the situation, gain from it what I can. Because I do always believe that regardless of what happens, there is something to be gained from it. So I guess when I'm projecting and looking on the other, other side of something, I'm also looking at, well, what am I going to gain from this? So you know, it's kind of, you look at it, and it kind of pulls you through it, if you will. And then all of a sudden you're on that other side. And I know I might not be explaining that very well, because it's not something that I know how to tell somebody how to do. It's just a way that I have just been able to look at how I want something to be after a challenge. So I, I totally, sense. yeah, it totally makes sense. And I know exactly where you're going with that. But for the sake of the listeners, can you give a specific example of a situation and then what you, how you projected and what was that projection? 
I have a son, and I'm not going to go into specific details. Of course. A son who, when he was younger, got into a lot of trouble. And it could have been really, really serious trouble. So as a parent, something like that is magnified because you always want your children to be safe. And he made some very stupid decisions and took some very stupid actions. Yeah, I'm in the midst of that now with a 20-year-old. I hear you. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, and it's, it's a frightening time because you have no control over that. I mean, you literally, there's nothing you can do other than guide your child or, you know, whatever the circumstances are, try to work through that. So I, I did what I was talking about. I, I knew what the situation was. Of course, I could, I could, or anybody could, you could focus on the worst thing that could possibly happen, which makes it difficult when you're in that moment, but it also can bring about that more difficult situation. And so I'm very mindful of that because I don't want to bring to myself something more than I need to deal with. So going through that situation, I, I would put myself and my son beyond that so that I knew where we were going to end up. And it was with everything working out the way that it did. But I'll also want to say that I didn't want my son to get off scot-free. I wanted him to gain something from the experience so that it wouldn't be repeated. And I think that's important. Of course. When we're trying to avoid something, we're not avoiding the lesson or the benefit that's inherent in it. And I know some people might say, well, the, the lesson could be the painful part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't get it during that one time, there's a greater likelihood you're going to have another experience to give you that same situation so that you get whatever it is you're supposed to gain from it. So it, it was just something like that. And everything worked out. It was painful, but it worked out to the best that it possibly could with everybody involved. And, you know, it's, it's just looking at life that way. That Again, there's something, there's something inherent in everything that happens. I also think that whatever happens in our lives, we are, I'm not going to say directly responsible for it, but we're certainly a, a creator of whatever it is that we're drawing into our lives. And I do think our soul plays a role in that too, in terms of what our soul wants us to experience while we're here. Well, and I think also we are responsible in the sense of how we react to the situation. Without question. Yeah. You know, so back to your son, because I'm, I, I just want to like, just and, and just make the story up because that's when you're projecting, you're making up that story anyway. So just so that the listeners can have a little bit. So was it like, okay, so he's going to learn what he needs to learn. He's going to get back to school. He's going to graduate from college. Is, is that what you're, when you project forward, is that what you're thinking? Um, no, because I don't get into that <laughs> detail. Okay. No, and, and, but what you're saying is true. And if that works for somebody to do that, that's fine. Most of what I do is about feeling. So I, I assume the feeling that I will have once everything turns out the way that I want it to turn out without it being, without me saying it's going to be this, 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 and this. Because I think by being really specific like that, and again, this might not make sense to people, but it's what works for me. If I'm too specific, I could be missing out on a greater opportunity. And I don't want to limit whatever the experience could be. So it's more about, okay, so what would it feel like once I move through this and that the benefit is what it needs to be, that everybody comes out safe, well, on the other side, but yet we've gained from it what we can. What will that feel like? And then it's about bringing that feeling in, into my experience right now. And then that's what I'm moving towards, that feeling. You know, it's, it's the same thing I do when I work with people and I'm helping with business planning or I do business coaching with them or something like that. And it's about, um, I'll, I'll tell them to project a year ahead 
And then I'll say, okay, a year from now, let's say January the 1st, 2021, you're standing in that day celebrating the success that you had. What does that feel like? So that they get that. And it's more like that's pulling them towards the end result, which is the success a year from now. But then you re-engineer and you go, okay, so what had to have happened for me to be here? And so I guess that's the same thing that I do when I'm talking about projecting and being beyond an experience. I, I look at what has to happen, but we have to get the experience. We have to have the benefit that we're going to get from it. Uh, in this case, my son has to have what he needs so that he won't repeat this. And then, you know, I, as the parent, just need to understand. And a big part of it is you got to trust the process. And maybe that's the hardest thing for most people to do. But you got to let go and trust the process, knowing that you're going to come out on the other side with everything intact. It's huge. That's huge. So a couple of things there. So what when you're talking about that projection and the feeling, that makes me think of, you know, manifestation. Because, you know, when when you're creating that life you want, it's not about just thinking positive, it's the feeling positive that brings it into fruition. Right. Well, if you if you think about it, whatever it is you say you want to manifest, whether it's Something material, although I don't really get into material manifestation because I, to me, it's more about life experience. So whatever that might be, but whatever somebody wants to bring into their life, when you or anyone would question them on that, you know, why do you want that? And there'll be some, some more superficial reasons for why they want it. Well, then you get into, okay, so if you have that, what does that mean to you? And they're going to say a couple of other things. Okay, well, if that happens and you have this particular thing, what does that mean to you? It eventually will always boil down to how it makes you feel. And it's going to be about how it makes you feel about you. And we all want to know that we've done something that will contribute to the betterment of somebody else. We want to make sure that, that we are living the best life we possibly can. And we want to feel good about ourselves. If you ask somebody how they want to be remembered, most people will say, in addition to a couple of other things, I want to have made a difference. And I think that's that overall feeling that we're looking for, is that we do have some relevancy, that we have made a difference in other people's lives, that we can feel good about who it is and what we've done. So to me, that feeling is always about that. So regardless of what it is we're trying to manifest, it will always boil down to how it makes you feel. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I talk about that in my book, that you know, most people think that if they made more money or had the perfect person or whatever, that they would then be happy. But it's... Yeah. It's really, it's, what is that feeling that you want? Right. It's not the money. It's not a feeling you can describe to anybody because it's your personal feeling about whatever that is. Yep. I'll, I'll, go, if, I'll, go, I'll go a step further with another experience. And this, okay. I think this will open it up maybe in a little bit different way. Okay. I had a speaking engagement. And this was probably 20 years ago. And I was speaking in front of about 200 people. And when I finish speaking, and you know that when you've spoken before, people typically will walk up to the front because they have personal questions they want to ask because they're not comfortable raising their hand or whatever the case is. So that happened after I finished my presentation, and this gentleman and I were having a conversation, but I noticed a woman over to my right walking up towards the stage. Didn't say anything to her because I was answering this gentleman. So he and I finished our conversation. My eyes went over to the right. They caught this woman's eyes and she looked at me and she said, I heard you speak two years ago and what you said saved my daughter's life. Oh, wow. Hey, and never said another word to me. And I don't know who she is. I don't know what it was I said. I don't know where it was that she would have heard me speak. But what I came away from that was 
with what I came away with that was, and it wasn't so much that I had saved somebody's life, but what dawned on me was that we never know who's in the audience. And by that, it's not just about me being a speaker and somebody being in the audience. It's every, every one of us has an audience. Every day of our lives, we have an audience. You never know who's there. You never know who's going to hear what you say. You never know who's going to be witness to what it is that you might do, good or bad. And we're influencing people, whether we know it or not. We're influencing people in ways so far beyond what we think we're capable of doing. And I say that because no matter what we do in life, we're going to be impacting people. We're going to be making a difference. And somebody will say, yeah, well, what about somebody who's who's a drug addict or somebody who does something horrendous? Well, you still influence other people on based on your actions because you're going to cause somebody to say, I don't want to be like that. And that causes them to make changes in their lives, maybe the way that they're living, maybe the way they're thinking whatever the case may be, so they better their lives. So you have contributed, not necessarily in the best way possible, but regardless, we all will have influence or impact on other people's lives beyond what we think we're capable of doing. So the reason I say you never know who's in the audience, because we need to be mindful of what we're doing. We need to be mindful of how we're interacting with other people. We need to be mindful of the example that we're setting in everything that we do, especially with younger people. Oh, I love, I love what you just said. That's great. And and it's so true. And I think especially for parents, I remember when my son was little, I read something that, you know, you know, the kids are always watching you even when you don't know they're watching you. So you really have to be on your toes yeah. so that you can provide, be a good example for them. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? I mean, the perfect example is what happened this week. I mean, there were kids there at the Capitol mm-hmm. witnessing the adults. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me is just unbelievable. But we're not going to get into that. But, yeah. I, but just <laughs> We're not going to get example. into it. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's just a perfect example of, of how I don't think people really pay attention to the influence and the impact it could be having on younger people who witness that and whatever their interpretation of events like that might be. Well, we have a serious problem with humanity right now. Yes. Worldwide, but especially in the United States. And it's a human problem. It's not political at all. It's a right. humanity problem. And uh, yeah, we, we saw the worst, the worst, the worst, worst of people. Yeah. So that, that was a really great example. I love that. And did you ever, going back to that woman, didn't you like run after her and be like, what, what, what was that about? What do you mean I, I saved your daughter's life? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. There was other people standing in front of me too. So it wasn't like I was to jump off the stage and go chase her. Ah, oh, wow. I think I would have. We had other conversations, <laughs> but... The realization didn't come to me until later, where it was really, to me, you know, I never know who's going to be in the audience. I've had, I've had three experiences now where something that I have said or done has impacted a life. And each time it happens, it's, it's very rewarding. But I also look at it as, okay, well, that's a constant reminder for me, the influence that I and anybody else, it's not about me, but the influence that I have or the impact I can have on other people's lives just by what I say or what I do. And it doesn't have to be intentional. It's just the way that maybe who I am or what I do is being received by somebody. Now, I, 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 as much as I can, I try to be intentional about what I do and what I say being a benefit to other people because that's what makes me feel good, knowing that I do have that kind of impact on people. 
Yeah, it's a great feeling for sure. And yeah, and that's why you and I are in this work because we want to make a difference. You know, we want to help other people. It's, I feel like it's why we're here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what else is going on? What else can you tell me about? Do you have any projects you're working on? And, th- and then we're going to get to your books also. But is there any projects you're working on now that you'd like to share? I'm Actually, I'm in the process of writing a new book. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. great. It's in the formulation stage. Uh-huh. It's in the formulation and the debate stage because I keep beating myself up over whether or not I should do it <laughs> and you know whether or not it is what I, I need to do. <laughs> But it's the, the the working title right now is strategies for a life well lived. Nice, and it's part of what we're talking about. But yeah. it really is about how and why people do and don't do what we know we need to do, or what is required. Probably a better way. I don't want to say we need to do it, but what would be required to really live our our best life. But then I'll also say that regardless of what anybody does, there isn't a wasted life. Because you're going to gain from it whatever you gain from it. And in my opinion, you will always have an opportunity to come back. And I'm not going to say have a redo, but I will say to understand what you misunderstood the previous time. <laughs> yeah, I say that to myself. In whatever form that takes. Every day when I know I should be exercising and I'm not. <laughs> I know that's what I need to do to be healthier and I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah, so we'll see. It, it's just, I write lots of notes and things like that, and it'll, I'll start compil- compiling the information now and you know, get some chapters together. Well, that's the kind of writer you are. You know, we, as writers, we're all different. Yeah. You know, and I know from your previous book that we're going to talk about in a second that you were like that. You kind of had a lot of different things going on, and then you put it all together. Well, it's, it's interesting because I do a lot of writing, like I do blog posts or, mm-hmm. Like an, like an interview like this, I might write some things down prior to it that end up being something that could be a chapter, but I keep the notes and then I look at it later and I bring things together and see where it might fit in. Uh, you've seen a lot of the quotes that I write, that I, that I put online and that sort of thing. And I'm going to read a couple in a minute. So yeah, those, those end up being parts of, of whatever it is that I write. So your first book, The Key to Life, Living in Full Expression, mm-hmm. which is your acronym LIFE, Living in Full Expression. So what was your inspiration for writing this? It was one of those things where I had been thinking about writing a book for a long time. As I was just talking about, I had notes all over the place. And it got to the point where I felt like I couldn't not write it. And it was was soul desire, if you will, whatever, whatever we want to say is that driving, motivational, inspirational force within us. It just got to the point where I felt compelled. I just, I had to do it because I had to get it out of me and get all those different thoughts and experiences on paper. So I just, I just started writing and it just started unfolding. And, you know, all of a sudden you have 250 pages that end up being a book. But it wasn't that. It was just a desire to get it out. Just different ideas and thoughts that I'd had. And as you know, when you read it, it, it tends to ask a lot of questions. It doesn't necessarily answer it for people individually. It does give my perspective on it, but it really is about asking questions to get people to think deeply about themselves and what they want from life and what they think life is all about. So living in full expression, what is that? How, how would you interpret, it, interpret that or explain it to somebody? 
Well, when, when someone looks at living in full expression, it, it asks another question. Because when you're living in expression, the question is, okay, living in full expression of what? And to me, it's living in full expression of your truth on your way to the truth. Now, some people will say, well, how can you have a personal truth? Because the truth is the truth, no matter what it is. Well, our personal truth is what we believe to be true to the moment. And at any moment in time, something new can come in. You and I can have a conversation. You can say something. I can have an experience it may change what I have held to be true to this moment. And then if I'm willing to adapt and allow that new information to become my truth now, I'm going to start living from that. But it doesn't mean it's the truth. It just means it's what I hold as true to now. It's what I believe to be true in this moment. So living in full expression is always about living in full expression of your truth, your authentic self, if you will. And then, I mean, more specifically, it's all about getting to the point where you are living as your divine self which to me is the full expression of the divine through us and as us, hmm. which gets a little bit deeper. That, yeah, that definitely does. All right, if I can get my glasses on here, I've tapped these headphones. So, and speaking of the truth, you have a quote in here, what I believe does not change the truth. However, the truth can change what I believe. Correct. Explain that. And that really speaks to what I was just saying. And there's a couple of quotes in there about truth. Because, because the truth is the truth. You know what? I mean, whatever that is, the, the ultimate, the absolute, whatever that is, that is the truth. And that's what I think we're here to explore and to experience and ultimately get to so that we really understand what's this all about. I mean, seriously, look at all the crap we're doing to each other and, and all the things that happen. I mean, this, this is ridiculous, I think. So this can't be what it's all about. So we have to be we have to be going through this process to get to somewhere to have a greater understanding of something. And I believe that to be the truth. In fact, my definition or my, my, my idea of the purpose of life, not my life's purpose, but the purpose of life is the progressive realization of the truth. So everything we say, everything we do, every experience we have is about progressing towards the truth. So that quote that you just read about what I believe to be true doesn't change the truth, but the truth can, truth can change what I believe. What I believe is only what I believe based on on my experiences, based on the information I have, based on what I've observed, but that doesn't make it the truth. It's only true, again, because I believe it to be true. But then the truth, as I, as I learn more and more of the truth, then that changes what I currently believe as true. Make sense? It totally makes sense. Okay. There's another, there's another quote in there about truth is, today what I know to be true, tomorrow might not be. <laughs> that was the one I was going to read next. <laughs> okay, so this is a punch. So that allowed me to let go of what I'm holding is true right now. And that's a difficult thing for most people because we get so entrenched in what we believe to be true. And especially, I mean, again, we can use the circumstances that are taking place today that so much of this is, is um, confirmation bias because what we already believe is true. We're constantly fed information that supports that. And that's how people get led down paths of lies because they're constantly getting information that reinforces what they believe to be true, whether or not it is. And so we have to get to a point where we say enough and, and we have to look at the other side or be willing to see that there is another side to explore it without judgment and then make a decision. And it doesn't mean that you're going to change your opinion, but at least you're going through that process of discernment so that we're not constantly stuck in this one place. See, I call you call it truth. I call it perspective but it's really the same thing. <laughs> well, your perspective is based on what you know right now. Right. 
and you can change that. Right. Yeah. So it was interesting as you were saying it, and, and I've read your book, and it wasn't until you started explaining that, that I was like, oh, okay, in my book, I talk about perspective. And I'm saying kind of the same things, but you and I write very, very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're saying the same thing. And that's what's so great about writing uh, books like these, because what may not appeal what, what my book may not appeal to, to somebody, even though I'm saying the same things as you're saying in yours, but but how you say it appeals to them. It makes, oh, that makes sense to me. That right. didn't make sense to me, but this makes sense to me. you know. And I know I've experienced that too with many different books that I've read and speakers I've listened to. One person says it one way and it doesn't resonate. And somebody says the exact same thing, but they, they phrase it differently. And I'm like, oh, because we're all wired differently. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the challenges I had when writing the book because I questioned, I thought of the other authors, and you may have gone through this too. The question always is, who am I to write this book? Why is somebody going to buy it? Why, with all this other information that's out there, with all these other books on the same topic, why would somebody choose mine versus the other? And because I received my guidance from my early morning walks, what I immediately got was because your voice is different from everybody else's. Yep. And, you know, the truth is the truth, yet we each approach it from a different perspective using your word based on our experiences, based on what we believe and what we understand. And then getting back to what I said earlier, we all have an audience. And it's a matter of our audience hearing our voice in the way that we would share the information, even though the information is either the same or similar. It's very, very true. Now, your second book, now, I know you did a second edition of Living in Full Expression, correct? Yes. There's a second edition out. How is that different than the one that I have? And no, I'm sorry, I didn't purchase it. I'll have to do that. No, no. For the, <laughs> the first one, you asked me how I got to the point of writing. Well, the, the inspiration behind it was because I had information I felt like I needed to share. But it was also written for the wrong reason. And that was to prove to people that I could do it. My or family, prove to yourself? Well, to myself, too. I, I felt like I could do it. I felt like I could write it. That, that wasn't the issue. But it was really a more about criticism I had been receiving from people close to me. And it was a way to, to prove to them that I could in fact do it. And it was, you know, it's interesting. It wasn't just family members, but people that were close to me. And it, it's always interesting when you think the people closest to you would be most supportive, but it turned out to be just the opposite. And it wasn't they were being challenging or just being critical to help me. They truly were, were being critical. I mean, for whatever their own reasons. So when I first wrote it, that became one of the one of the motivating factors for me to just get it out there and do it to show that I could. And then it was about, I don't know, a year or, or two years after it was out, I started thinking about the book and I started getting guidance from wherever that information comes from. And it, it basically said, reassess the book. And what I ended up doing was I, I started writing again. And I think the original version of the book was 43,000 words or something like that. I, I ramped it up to about 58,000 and then edited it back to, I think, the final version now was 45 or 46,000 words. And what I'm doing was I printed out the whole book, and it's 18, 18 or 20 chapters, whatever it is. I printed out the whole book on eight and a half by 11 paper. I laid each of the chapters down on my dining room table and was looking at the flow, and it wasn't in flow. So I started moving chapters around. And then when I, after I did that, and some things that were at the beginning ended up being at the end, some things at the end ended up being in the middle, and I mean, it was just a totally different flow in the new edition. And then I had to write transitions from one chapter to the next because the way it had been originally, it wasn't the same. 
the message, the energy, and the information is pretty much the same. The flow is different. There is a bit more detail on some of the aspects of the book in the second edition. I think there might be a couple of different stories in there too that were not in, in the first book. And there's a couple of different quotes as well. But it was the second time that it was written. It was written, it was written because of the message and the need for the message to get out there. And it was not written for me to prove anything. It was written because I believe the message needed to get there when it needed to get there. Awesome. That's how I write now. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Nope. I write and I, and I'm not saying that because it's me. It's just, I don't, and nobody has anything to prove to anybody. We, you know, we have this sense that we do. But when I write now, it's just because there's some information in me that has this really strong desire to be expressed. And so I write it, I put it out there. And if people like it, great. If they don't, okay. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not going to appeal to everybody. But I can relate to the, the non-support. You know, I've had family members who, you know, oh, I can't wait to read your book. And I send it to them and then they never read it. I'm like, all right. You know, and I, I don't take it personally, but, it, but it, sometimes it's surprising. Yeah. The lack of support. I mean, I, I think in their heart of hearts, they they support me. I haven't had any rejection in terms of like, you know, oh, you can't do this or whatever. But but I but yeah. I hear what you're saying, and it's it's definitely hard. And I'm glad to hear that you you made that shift too, because you're a very talented writer, and uh, I always enjoy reading reading your stuff. So the third book, I've gotten better. <laughs> It's, you know, I don't know what I mean that it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. You could, someone can say that they're a really good writer. I don't think I'm a good writer. I think I'm a good communicator. And I think I have a way of getting points across or messages across or perspectives, again, to use your word, that come out in a different way than other people might say it. So it, it's not that my book is a storybook where you can read it and it's going to flow like a story. It actually becomes, and I think you've mentioned this to me before, it becomes more of a resource where you can really open it up to any page and gain something from it that can help you with something you might be dealing with. 100%. So tell me about the third book. I don't. I have it on my Kindle. Um, so go ahead and talk about the third book and how you were contributing author and all that. Yeah, that was, I thought you were going to talk about um, From Inspiration. Please. That was your third book. That was my, that was my, my bad. Second. Actually, that, that was, was actually my second was book. Was your second book? See, I'm... Yeah, and, and, and that was... <laughs> I'm not, I... <laughs> no, no, but actually, From Inspiration to Intention is an ebook, and I don't have that available anywhere other than on my website. Oh, that's probably why I haven't Amazon seen it. For a while, okay. and then I took it off. That was an offshoot of The Key to Life, because there's a, there's a chapter in The Key to Life that talks about intention. And I, I ran into a lady who's an editor. And she read my book and she said, you have so much information in here. You need to go into more detail on some of these areas within the book. And that was the one that jumped out to me the most. So I ended up writing a book from inspiration to intention because the two to me were very powerful or are very powerful and they work in conjunction with one another. So that actually became the second. The one you're talking about now, though, was written, written with an organization called the Wellness Universe. And I'm a member of that. And I'm very good friends with the, the founder. And she and another lady who was an author that I have had some collaboration with as well, they wanted to put together a, a book where 25 authors were contributing to the book. And the book is called The Wellness Universe Guide to Complete Self-Care, 25 Tools for Stress Relief. And so my contribution was a chapter that I entitled Embracing Life. And 
you know, I, some people would talk about a specific tool they have, like they might have talked about Reiki as a way to uh, work with stress release or acupuncture. There was a couple, uh, couple of chapters in there on tapping EFT and, you know, some other things and stories that people have gone through and how they overcame their stress. I, I don't look at specific tools. I, I look at life holistically, like every aspect of life and, and what we're dealing with and what we're given and how we can move through it. And mine is about changing life perspective from one of a victim to one of, of being the beneficiary of life. And so embracing life is a chapter that talks about how we can be open and receptive to what life presents to us, regardless of how it appears, recognizing there is always something within every experience that we're given to help us further grow, further understand, further expand become better. And when I say become better, it doesn't change who we are. It allows who we truly are to be what's now being expressed. You know, the, the, the previous expression is replaced by a grander expression. In the book in your, in your hand, there is a chapter in there on um, cycles of life. And I'm going to see if I can remember what they are. It's, it's reflection, uh, revelation, reconciliation and resurrection. And I believe we go through those four phases on an ongoing basis. It's not like you go through it once during a lifetime, although you can, depending upon what it is your soul wants to do. So the, the resurrection is what I'm talking about right now. It's when we get to the point where we are no longer the same expression of the divine that we were previous to that because we have a greater understanding. We have a greater knowing of who we are and we allow that now to be the expression. Doesn't mean we don't fall back sometimes because we do. But then that starts the cycle all over again where we're going to be back into reflection. You know, well, who am I? Why am I doing this? And is this where I want to be? And how can I, how can I continue to expand? How can I continue to move further or move closer and closer to the truth? I mean, all of those things come into play within that cycle of life. It is in that version, isn't it? Yes. Can I read this paragraph? It's the last paragraph sure. of that chapter. And I think it's, I think. It'll sum up this part of our interview quite nicely. As we move through each phase, we do so seamlessly. There is no line of demarcation that tells us we have moved from one to another. More often than not, it is after we move through a cycle that we become aware of a greater sense of self. This usually occurs when we are back in the reflection phase and are taking more of who we are and where we are going along life's path. No one phase is more important than another as each is integral to the cycle of life, living in full expression. Cool. That was beautiful. Thank you. All right. So last book that you collaborated with, with 24 other authors, that became an international bestseller. Yes, it did. That is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. It is very cool. Yeah, so, so now if I, if I wanted to, and I think you know me well enough, I don't, I'm not big on titles. I, I don't. I really, this is going to sound bad because it's going to sound like a lot of my colleagues and stuff, but you know, so many people will have these, all these initials and all this stuff and all this here, this, you know, after their names. And I know from a marketing perspective, it makes a difference because people look for people that have been successful, I guess, or can say that they're a best-selling author, whatever the case might be. But I, I because I talk about living life non-attached, I don't want to become attached to a title. 
I don't want to become attached to a to an achievement or to a success because those things are something that I did. It's not who I am. Now, what I put out in words is a reflection of who I am because it's what I believe and it's how I live my life and it's how I I approach life on a daily basis. But it isn't who I am. Who I am is this. I mean, what what people see when I'm interacting with them in the moment is who I am. What you see is what you get. Pretty much. That's how I am. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that you want to throw out there before we finalize our our talk today? Oh, we need to we need to get over ourselves, and and, and by that I mean we need to. Well, what's coming to mind? Don't take ourselves too seriously, because there isn't anyone any better or any less than anybody else. I believe that that life presents to each of us exactly what we need and exactly what our soul requires to gain whatever experience our soul is here to experience during this lifetime. And having said that, yes, I do believe we have been and will be here many, many more times, that we have lots of things that we can experience, lots of things we can share with other people. It it is the interaction with others that give us the greater experiences that we have in life. Nothing, Nothing is gonna be done in isolation. And I think that if we approach one another with that in mind, and we understand that life will always be a collaboration, and that you know, if there is something that I can do, or a way that I can be, or how I can interact with people that's going to be a benefit to them, that's how I want them to interact with me, and how I want them to receive me. It's not about competition. It's not about anybody, myself included, trying to prove myself to be better than anybody else because nobody's better than anybody else. We're all here trying to get through life the best way that we possibly can. There is the appearance of advantage for other people. They don't have an advantage any more than anybody else does. Again, I believe that we're put into the exact circumstances that are required for us to gain from life what we gain. And I think if we can accept that perspective, it's always, well, what's available to me right now? What is it that I can gain from this situation? Obviously, we have different directions we want to go, but what's the next best best step to take me where I want to go to have the experience I want to have and to be who it is I want to be in the world? That's what embracing life is about. It's just being open and receptive, you know, not combating it. The word faith. We'll just, we'll finish with faith. Okay. Book Faith. We all have an idea of what faith is. We can say it's our religion. We can say it is our belief in something that we have no idea, no experience of, or no evidence that it will take place. I use faith as an acronym, and it is faith in that life will always present, always does present everything we need to live life the way we were intended to live it. So acronym is the faith, uh, is the uh, faith is the acronym for fully allow it to happen. That's awesome. I love that. Get out of the way. Get out of your own way. That's great. So real quick, Jim, what is your website so people can check you out on your website? Livingandfullexpression.com and email jim at livingandfullexpression.com. And I don't know the social media things. You can go on Facebook and find me. Actually, you can go into Facebook and just type in Living in Full Expression. It'll come up. Very good. Well, Jim, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much, and I'll be talking to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what a great interview. I so thoroughly enjoy speaking with Jim. He has so much wisdom. And if you haven't had a chance to read his book, please go online and pick it up. You will not be disappointed. There's 
just so much information that will be so useful in your life. So thank you for joining me today. Please visit my website at sandyscartlotta.com for more information on the release of my new book, Happiness Solved, Climbing 100 Steps, which will be available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. I also invite you to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Coach Sandy Scarlotta, and all episodes of my podcast will be posted on my YouTube page, which is also called Happiness Solved. Thank you again for listening today, and I hope that you stay healthy and safe and that your life is filled with joy, peace, and happiness. (laughs) 